This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Lawrence Conley and Natasha Mikkel. Welcome to the show guys. It's good to be here mate. Right, now Lawrence I'm going to start with yourself. For several weeks we went toe to toe on the Neil Lennon question, you were pro Lenny, you wanted him to stay. Where are you at this moment in time? Maybe we don't have a choice, we covered it last week, surely the, the board can't do nothing. Either change the manager, change the coaching, or change the manager and the coaching. But uh, the board shocked us all, and I've come out and said we've got Lenny to January. So it's the choice we thought they couldn't make, which was do nothing. Mm. And that's exactly what they've done. Why everybody's finding it so unacceptable? You know, no change in coaching, no change in managing, just do nothing. Now, up until this season, you know, we used to have a right good laugh at some statements that were coming out from other clubs, you know, Rangers and Hearts. It was like statements every other day. But this season, it seems to be the age of the Celtic statement. Now, Natasha, when that came out yesterday, what was your your thought? Were you thinking they're having a laugh? To be honest, I can't say I was overly surprised. Um, I knew another statement was needed and... Sadly, we are turning into the clubs that are putting out at least one statement every week. Um, but in terms of the content of the statement, I don't think I was surprised. Um, you know, they made it clear last week that they were backing him, that he's staying, that he's he's here and they support him. Um, and I think it was going to take a lot more than a draw with St Johnston for them to backtrack on that. Um, mm. Sadly, um, for some reason, they seem to be the only ones other than Neil himself who think that he's still the right man for the job. Um, but like Lauren says, that's the position we're in and that's the position we're in until January now. So 
got to put up with it. This is the thing. I, I've been reading a lot of the reaction this morning and although they've basically said, listen, we're going to review this in January, surely if we go into free fall or are we already in free fall over the next couple of games, let's say we go into the game against Hearts and it doesn't go the way we are planning. And I, I hate to even think about that, the quadruple treble. We've worked so hard um, to get to that stage. Do they change their mind? Or do they just dig their heels in? What do you think, Natasha? I don't think so. I don't think that the game against Hearts would change it. I think regardless now, they've sort of, you know stuck their flag to the post. We're keeping them until January. Um, and basically, they, they're going to let us go into free fall until then. Um, I think it would take a miracle for them to change their minds on that, whether that's you know defeat to, to Rangers or defeat the Hearts or both. I, I don't think it's going to change anything. Now, Lawrence... You're a massive Neil Lennon fan. I think we all are. Let's be honest. Let's let's put that out there. We are all Neil Lennon fans. But there's the realism of um, the fact that this club were so far ahead of anybody um, that I must admit, it wasn't complacency. It was just if we maintained the standards that we had set, then I don't think there would be any question of 10 in a row. If we were playing to the levels that we kind of set last season, We'd be in a, a really good title fight right now. We'd be we'd be neck and neck with Rangers. I mean, they've barely dropped anything. A couple of draws, I think. Now, the wording of that statement, Lawrence, when you look through it, and, you know, we're looking at uh, continue to operate according to our club's values. I found that very interesting wording. Um, and I was wondering if that was a, a kind of a indirect free kick at some of the things we've seen after the games up at the stadium um, and then continuing to support Neil and his team as they seek solutions for those challenges unfortunately I don't think we've got time to seek solutions, we've fallen so far behind in the league title race that you're actually looking for a capitulation by Rangers which doesn't look likely at the moment now I expect them to drop a few points in here, here and there but Lawrence is this not just burying their head in the sand uh, territory? You know, what are the values? Uh, put up fence and keep us away from the stadium. But look, is that what it's come to as a club? You know, exactly what values? Not engaging with the supporters. The statements that have come out two in the last week, but, you know, they're far too late. People have been, you know, commenting on Lenin's Celtic's performance. And I think the board's come out late to back him. But they're basically doing nothing. Yeah, mm. we'd, we'd be in a title fight. You know, we, we, we can't control kind of improvement across the city. But what we could have done is done everything we, we could have done to maintain a position or improve ourselves. I don't see any improvement in the coaching staff. You know, I think John Kennedy and, and Gavin Strachan are downgrades on what we had before. Mm-hmm. I think we all accepted, you know, Brendan was a better manager than Lenny. Yeah, so... Right there, you know, there's no improvement there. If we were, were to go through the team, have we brought in players that improved the team? Initially, I thought on paper it looked as though we had, uh, and I think you know even the club were quite confident. Natasha, when you look at their output, and it was obviously lining up guys like Ayeti and Duffy. I don't think there was many arguments. I think we all wanted Fraser Foster. There's no doubt about that. But then, you know, there was a trust in that we'd done okay with goalkeepers over the years. Stevie Woods obviously was involved in the the process. And I think that you kind of trusted that the goalie they were bringing in, we, we didn't know much about him, I don't think. We obviously had faced him previously. You kind of trusted that he would be the man. But that I just think the, the signings have been one part of a number of factors, Natasha. What do you think the biggest factor has been this season? I, mean, I think you're right on the signings um, and I think you've touched on it there and it's something that's been said on this show before is that we came out of this transfer window happy. You know, we were happy with the business that had been done. We were happy with, you know, we got in another striker, you know, in a Yeti and, you know, we started the goalkeeping position, albeit it wasn't Forster. You know, you spent five million on an international goalkeeper. You know, you got a wee bit later, of course, you got in Laxal at left back. You know, you were fixing areas we thought we needed fixed. We thought we needed a new centre half. Duffy on paper was what we wanted for that. So you come out of that transfer window happy. Um, and for one reason or another, that's not worked. And then on the other hand, you've kept the players. You know, the board have let you mm. keep Edward and Cham and Ayer. And at the time, again, you know, we think that's a positive. You can't fault the board for letting us keep our big value players. In hindsight, you've now ended up with players who look like they don't want to be there. 
So you were perhaps better cashing in at the time in the summer rather than having a core of players who don't look like they're they're wanting to be there anymore. And I think that's having a big issue on the performances is that your big players, the ones you've kept for whatever reason, the ones you've brought in aren't performing. That that's a massive that's a massive point, and I, I take that as probably one of the biggest issues because if you've got four players, let's say four. Um, who are unhappy in that dressing room and, and they were maybe expecting to leave the club and they've been no force but they've certainly not been allowed to leave so they're, they're spending another half season at Celtic even if they're 10-15% below their, their optimum and their maximum performance level that's massive for a guy like Eduard who's a game changer he's a, he's a match winner you see little moments from Eddie uh, that finish against AC Milan at that level was absolutely brilliant. There's nobody else in the team that could do what he did at that moment, but we've not seen it enough this season. And I mean, footballers aren't robots, and you know they do get that that mental effect that if they're not motivated to do well uh, for the club, or they're disappointed and they're moping about. Now, Lawrence, I, I'm going to use some of the names uh, mentioned: Iron Chairman, Edward, probably throwing Christie into the mix as well. These are four guys that, you know, apparently there was interest, apparently, um, you know, we, we managed to keep them. And that was seen as some kind of victory. That was a massive, a massive positive. Do you think Celtic might reconsider that in January, Lawrence? I think we probably have to. Uh, you know, I know we've got the vaccine coming out, but uh, there's a threat of season tickets not being bought at the same level. So they'll need to look where they're going to get income from. But, you know, on the transfer window, I think, Brendan used to say we've got to get our number one targets. So I think Lenny's number one target was a striker from Peterborough. Yes. We didn't get him. Mm-hmm. We got a Yeti, which was pretty protracted and late on in the window. His number one centre half was a boy for Santoria. We didn't get him. We got Duffy late on after we're out of Europe. And he wanted two wingers in. We didn't get any wingers. His number one goalkeeper target was Foster. We didn't get him. So, it's, you know, although we were happy, you've got to kind of look and go, well, there's at least three number one targets that Lenny didn't get. The people they got, he got in late. And we know from previous managers, they don't have full control over who's signed for the, for the club. Just look at mm. the comments when Fred was signed. So I, I think this kind of goes to a deeper problem within Celtic. And it's probably part of the reason that Lenny's still there. Maybe that we were talking last week and you're saying, oh, there must be loads of managers want the Celtic job. Well, maybe not under the way they've got to operate. Maybe not when Peter picks the players. Maybe not with Peter Pitch, your assistant manager and your coach. Maybe football managers won't work like that. Certainly Brendan didn't want to work like it. Mm. Well, Martin O'Neill left, Lenny left, you know, first time round. No, you're right. You're right. And what I keep going back to as well, with the new manager, and it's almost as if, should we even mention that because we've been told to shut up until January? Nothing's happened until January. Should we even look at potential managers and candidates? Um, and then in the back of my mind, and I mentioned this to Natasha before we came on, I'm thinking to myself, am I giving too much credit to Celtic by saying maybe there is a plan in place in January? Natasha, do you think there is or do we have no plan B? I'd love to think there was. Um, I'd love to think that there was a good business plan in place here um, and that we had plan B, C and D. But going by our past track record and going by all the signs that are coming out, I don't think there's a plan B. Um, you just look at the way that Lennon was appointed and hired. At the time, you know, when Rogers left us, he was almost the only option. Mm-hmm. He was available, he could slot in. And the easy option was to then give him the job at the end of the season. Um it showed a, a lack of imagination. The board came out at the time and said they hadn't looked at any other CDs, which is a serious red flag in itself, but that's a separate mm. issue. Um, so I don't know why we expect this time for them to have done a 180 on that and to have all these ideas for a new manager. Um, like we discussed discussed before this, you know, if you want to replicate the success of, of Rogers and the team that he had at the time, then you've got to replicate that in terms of the staff and and Lennon wasn't that. He didn't bring in the same quality that Rodgers did. Um, and that was the start of, of the downfall, I think, really. It, it certainly was. And you look at that as being another, yet another mitigating factor in what's going on this season. You look at the coaching staff, uh, Natasha. And again, I keep saying this, I'm not a body language expert, but there's something not right there between Neil Lennon, John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan. It, it was terrible. I mean... That shrug from Kennedy to Lennon against St Johnston there said it all really. Um, his 
for some reason, perhaps I'm wrong, his disinterest showed through. It looked like he wasn't interested in helping Lennon. It looked like he had no ideas. And if that's the body language coming from the side of the park, you know, maybe taken into the dressing room, then no wonder the players are turning out performances like they are. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And one of the points I made was, uh, you know, Neil Lennon, and I said this at the top of the show, uh, we would have all loved Lenny to succeed. We would have all loved mm-hmm. to have seen Neil Lennon with that league championship trophy at the end of this season, being the man that that brings home the 10. Um, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. I mean, the only, the only way Celtic can salvage this is twofold, to make our own changes and, and, and for the capitulation to happen at Rangers, which I can't see at this moment in time. Um, it's it, you, you really are clutching at straws at that point. Now, when when I'm also looking at that statement, a couple of things stood out for me, um, and you know, I'll quote here that Neil Lennon understands the pressure in the environment. He knows what it takes to be successful at Celtic. Well, that's fine, but that that's in the past. That's in the past, and we've not been successful this season. Talking about the pressure and the environment, that concerns a wee bit because we know, yeah, Neil Lennon has worked under a huge amount of pressure throughout his entire Celtic career, both as a player and a manager. But I don't think there's been any greater pressure than now. I think this is the the biggest pressure uh, situation he's been in at Celtic. Now, what I would expect from your number two, which John Kennedy is apparently uh, in the position of, is from now, time to time to say, you know what, Lenny, I'll take that post-match interview. You wait here. You've been doing it time after time. We're getting humped from Sparta, Prague, AC Milan, Rangers, Ferenc Varos, and you're facing the press time after time. Why don't Why don't I go out and face the press? Now, Lawrence, if you've got a number two, you're not looking for someone to lean on a wee bit at, during times like this? Yeah, definitely. You know, Lenny can't do everything but sell. He can't be doing the coaching, the video analysis, can't be doing it all, the fitness planning. You know, what exactly is John Kennedy's role? Is he there as Peter's choice for when Lenny goes? Is that simply... His role is he just waiting to be appointed manager because he'll work under Peter. Mm. Is that the club's plan? Because they certainly don't appear to have anything else. Well, I, I hope that isn't the plan because, you know, Jim Moore comes on on a Friday and he's, he's so reasoned. When, when I'm talking and I've got a level of expectation, often what Jim does is he brings me down to a realistic level. And he was talking about, you know, if we were to get uh, rid of Neil Lennon just now, what you're probably facing is an interim period with John Kennedy in charge. Now, if that was what we were going to be faced with, I don't think it would be any better than what we're being served up at this moment in time. We've got another big game. Coming up on Thursday, I say a big game because I... This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I do believe, even though we're well out of the European uh, picture at the moment, we've got to try and build momentum from somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. We've got to get an understanding in defence. We've got to try and figure out what the best position is for Ryan Christie because he's an effective player, but he seems to be all over the pitch. So one minute he's given a free kick on his own 18-yard box away against Milan. Next minute he's fighting in a, in a free kick at the other end. And you think, we, we need a, a, a moment in this season where things start to go right. It might happen in a game in Europe. Natasha, in your wildest imagination, could this squad under this management turn the corner? I'd love to say yes to that, but um, no, I don't think so. Um, I think changes are needed at management level, at squad level. Um, I don't think they can do it. Um, And it hurts me to say that, it really does. But I've seen no signs over the last month, two months, that this squad or this management team have what it takes to make up the points difference that there is. Because it's not just a small hill to overturn. You know, there's a massive task ahead. And even with the best management team and the best players available to us, reasonably, it's still going to be a massive challenge. Um, 
So with what we've got at the moment, I can't say I think so, no. You know, this is the realisation and the tipping point happened for me at Petaudry at halftime. Mm-hmm. It probably took Lawrence a wee while longer. I think Jim Orr was saying last week that Ross County was the final straw for him. But one thing that I find interesting, and again, this goes back to the disconnect, Lawrence, between the supporters and those that make the decisions at the club. So I think the fans have largely made their feelings known about you know, the situation at Celtic and what needs to happen. We've been told not once, but certainly a couple of times over the last week or so, this isn't happening. And the reaction to that is something that I never thought I'd ever see again. Because when I think back to the situation Celtic were in previously, it was for different reasons that we wanted to oust those in charge. Lawrence, what do you think is going to happen this season or after this season should Celtic fail to win the league? I think we'd be looking at uh, Ronnie Dyla are pre-Brendan levels of season books, wouldn't they? I, I think that's, and then that kind of puts the club into a bit of tailspin. Then you've got to sell players because you can't afford them. You know, it, that, that's where you could be sitting. Let, you know, if we don't win the league, surely Lenny's gone then. <laughs> but with this board, who knows? It's, uh, you know, and if he goes, it's most likely John Kennedy. You know, what are their ambitions? We've recently pulled out the Atlantic League. Is that because Dermot's got something up his sleeve? We'd like to think so. Or is it just, you know, what level of ambitions do we have as a club? Is it just to win the league? Do we have no further ambitions to go further in Europe? You know, to, to aspire to kind of last 16 regular positions. But the, the board, I think you, you a guy from Australia on before saying, you know, McCann set out a mission plan. Mm-hmm. We should have a mission plan. Of, you know, what are we looking to achieve? How often are we looking to qualify for the Champions League? You know, how far are we looking to go? How often? It's all about the mystery, what the Celtic board want to do. But that's the problem with the the lack of engagement, Lawrence. I've criticised them over the last few weeks about the fact that, you know, releasing a statement is not engaging with your fans. That's just releasing a statement. It's like advertising a product. That's not engagement with your fan base. Now, they've got all the technology in the world where, you know, if you and me and Natasha and the rest of the Celtic fan base can um, discuss this matter on platforms that we're doing right now, how can the club not engage with the fans? And I've been hugely disappointed with the lack of engagement. Um, now, IH Decorating says that last night's statement was a raising of the white flag on trying to win the league this season. Now, we've probably figured out that there isn't a plan B, and it's almost as if we're, we're, we're trying to put things in place for next season, because I've already seen that we're back in, we're interested in Mark McKenzie, uh, who's playing his trade in the MLS. Apparently, we were looking at him before Shane Duffy. Lawrence, you mentioned uh, Ivan Tony before, who yep. looks to be an absolute snip. I mean, if he goes in January or in the summer, it's for twenty or twenty-five million pound, probably to uh, you know one of the the kind of mid-table EPL sides. We could have had that guy for the same price we paid for a Yeti, and a Yeti's barely playing. So uh, there's so much wrong with Celtic at the moment. What I'd like to ask you, Natasha, is: Have you ever felt so disconnected from your club? No. Um... And that's, I suppose there's a whole host of things that come into play with that. Not being at the stadium, for one, you know, started that at the start of the season before even the, the run of games has started like it has. Not being there has, has had an impact. Of course it has. And on top of that, you then get the results and you get the, the bad feeling and the discontent and then the protests. And it's just one thing on top of the other at the moment. Um, but no, I've, I've never felt so disconnected and I don't see the club trying to address that, you know, instead of holding fans forums, they're cancelling them. You know, instead of trying to have a conversation, they're releasing a statement. That's what, like you said, that's a one-way conversation. That's them talking at us, not listening. Mm-hmm. And I think a great deal of listening needs to happen because if they don't realise how the fans are feeling right now, then they're not listening because it's very, very obvious. No, you're, you're absolutely spot on there. The communication seems to be here's a product um, of merchandise, go and buy it. Uh, And I'm sure that they'll be sending similar messages out when it comes to renewing season tickets. But it is, it's one way, it's not a two-way street with Celtic at the moment. Now, Patrick Murphy says that falling asleep at the wheel is something many of us felt the Celtic board had in them. Last night's statement was effectively a white flag and accepting Rangers will win the title. This won't be forgotten. Now, a a big part of the, the feedback I'm getting, Lawrence, from the Celtic support is that they are going to, to vote with their feet. You know, people who hadn't actually considered getting refunds from last season are now considering it 
or they're actually actively doing it and promoting it on social media. People are not buying merchandise around the busiest time of the year for merch sales, and they're also saying they're not going to renew the tickets for the following season. That That's concerning, surely, for the Celtic board. I think uh, they've just uh, addressed it. Once, it. once it happens, after it happens, no forward planning again. Let it happen, then think about what, what we can do. I mean, people will get new habits when we're not, not at Celtic Park. People will develop new habits, and then all of a sudden, we're, well, I'm not going to pay £600 to go and see what a John Kennedy Celtic team. You, you, you know, what, what, what's the choice going to be then? And they're going to go, oh, well, I keep doing what I've been doing at the weekends. It's, yeah, I, I, you can see it's so far off, but the Celtic ball just. I have no plan for it. It's a big, it would be a big ask. It'd be a hard sell to buy a season ticket to watch a Celtic team managed by John Kennedy, that's for sure. Now, Mark, who is a, a, a regular contributor to the show, is commenting on YouTube and he says, saw today that he's got seven games to save his job. Again, this this is turned into the Neil Lennon show. Take Neil Lennon out of it. I mean, you just look at the form. Uh, look at the players who are playing well below what we've seen in the past. Uh, Neil Lennon has tried, I believe, just about every permutation of lineup. Um, the shape has changed time and time again. Sometimes we're going into games against Hibs, for example, where we actually knew Hibs and teams like Hibs and Ross County, they know how to play Celtic. There's no fear. We're going into every game and there's absolutely no fear because we have no width. Absolutely no worth, even though we've got a player in Jeremy Frimpong, who I remember coming into the side, he had everybody on the edge of their seat. He was taking on players at will. He was past two or three players before he even realised what was going on. He seems as though now it's been coached out of him. He can't seem to hit a byline and, and cross a ball. Laxalt now looks like a, a solid uh, option at left back rather than the, the rampaging left kind of wing back that we saw in his first few games. And that's not going to change under the, the current coaching regime. Um, do you think, Natasha, when you've got players like Callum McGregor, James Forrest, who, although he's injured, he's obviously still part of the club, Scott Brown, experience like that, that sometimes maybe the, the players need to take a bit of responsibility, knowing that Lenny's there and obviously he shapes the team, he picks the team. Is there anything the players can do under those circumstances? I think there has to be. There has to be some element of taking a bit of responsibility, like you said, from your McGregors and your Browns, even players like Ayer who have been down for a while and beat on. There has to be an element of responsibility. And we hear constantly from all of them that there's a great dressing room and that they're playing for the manager and that they're all together. And I'm not seeing any of that. Like the St. Johnston game just there, none of them looked like they were playing for their manager to me. There was no fight. There was no battle. There was no determination. That's not a team trying to play to save their manager's job. Um, and for Lennon, you know, if he says he, he's tried everything, he's tried changing formation, he's tried changing players. So if he's saying that he's tried everything and this is it, then if you've no ideas left, then it's time to give someone else a chance to try something because it's not worth it. Again, excellent point because there is the flip side of the board making a decision or a statement, and that is that Neil Lennon could make a decision. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt in his legacy at the club as a player and as a manager, not just on the football park, everything that he's had to endure, Lawrence, um, well publicised, the threats, the attacks um, outside the football park and well standing managing his football team at Tynecastle. So he's got a huge amount of credit in the bank, but Celtic are bigger than any individual. Do you, are you disappointed that Neil Lennon hasn't taken a decision himself? Because as Natasha said, he's admitted that there's players in the dressing room that don't want to play. He's admitted that he's got a, a team who aren't fit. Um, he's admitted that players have undermined him in relation to ball and golly, team leaks. And he's tried everything he can and it's not working. Should Lennon have walked? So uh, if Lenny walks, I think he's going to have a chat with uh, Dermot and Peter. So, so what's his option that he's leaving us with? Because we know Brendan was willing to leave us with nothing and he was a rat for doing that. So Lenny walks, he's going to say, Peter's going to go, we've got nobody to replace you. Is it that nobody wants to come? Or we've only got John Kennedy? Is that what Lenny's looking at? Do I leave and leave Celtic with nothing? You know, is that what we're saying? That that, that could possibly be the option. I mean, that these conversations haven't happened. The Beatles went, we don't have anyone. No one wants to come and work under me. Well, the thing is, though, Lawrence, we know at a Celtic state of mind that managers, through their agents, have already contacted the club. 
Um, because we're living in modern football, it's a mercenary world. The minute there's a bad patch, these guys are right on to the powers that be at Celtic to say, I'm available. So that has happened. There are options out there. It's, it's an attractive job. Let's not forget Celtic, you know, are a team that are going for a quadruple treble and mathematically still possibly going for a 10 in a row. Yeah, it's been an embarrassing season in Europe. Um, it's an interesting point you make about where are our, our targets in terms of the European level. But uh, season on season, we're in the group stages of a European tournament. Now, there's plenty of managers who would relish that task. Now, Natasha, what's your thoughts? Neil Lennon, you a big fan previously? Are you disappointed that he's maybe not taking the decision himself? I mean, of course, we're all big Lennon fans and we'd all be absolutely delighted if he'd lifted the 10 or if he was the man to turn it around and lift it. Of course we would be. But I think we've got to the stage where we've accepted that that's not going to happen. Um, and should he have walked? I mean, you hear the claims that he's staying around because of his ego or because he wants a pay packet and all of these accusations that are getting thrown his way. But for me, I don't know, maybe I'm being naive, but I don't think it's that. I don't think that's the sort of person he is. Um, that could be wrong. For me, it's more of a case of I think that Neil Lennon really does believe that the person to turn this round is Neil Lennon. Mm-hmm. And I think he has massive confidence in his own ability to turn it round. And he does think he's the best person for the job. And for that reason, he, he won't go. He won't do it. Again, you know, I, I get that because I think Kevin said that yesterday. That That's what he's based his entire career on, isn't it? Being the guy, the underdog, uh, back to the wall, people not believing in him, yet him coming through that. Now, I'll tell you, if he does manage to turn this round, it'll be the, the biggest turnaround I can remember in football history, not just Celtic's history. But the big thing that's coming in is, yeah, Neil Lennon's got his part to play. The player's undoubtedly um, have got their part to play, Lawrence. But again, going back to the question of the board, and i seen a comment earlier, sack the board, which I never thought I'd see again, I've got to admit. Paul McQuaid, uh, this is definitely the beginning of the end for Desmond and Lowell. Do you think there'll be higher reaching consequences of a failure um, to succeed this season? Yeah, I think so. I think that's going to be what, what Lowell's been in place for 16 years or something, roughly. He's in his 18th year, believe it or not. Is it 18? Yeah. So 18 is CEO. So CEOs normally last about five. Yeah, he's... I think the fans would say, if the season ends, we think it's going to end. Listen, to be honest, even if we turn this, this around and we win the 10, we've got to produce triple treble. Who knows, maybe another double. I would say Lowell's time's definitely up. O'Neill, you know, the rumours where he couldn't work under law. Lenny, the first time that the rumours where he couldn't work with the interference. Same with Rogers, you're going, it can't all be the managers. <laughs> it can't. The, the people that, the person that spit, stepped in and appointed, Martin and Brendan, was them it. Mm. So what successful managers has Peter picked? It's, you know, what is his track record? A good balance sheet? Is that what it's going to be? Or is he going to take credit for, you know, Brendan coming in and doing an invincible treble? When, you know, he didn't... He didn't pick Brendan, and then Brendan couldn't work with him. So I, I think Peter's time's definitely come to an end. You know, it felt as though there was probably a natural end at the uh, the conclusion of the season. Anyway, Natasha, you were probably looking at a situation where Neil Lennon was going to leave, I think. Mm. Uh, but I think also it would have been good for the club to uh, have a different approach, and that probably would have resulted in Peter Lowell leaving anyway. It's not going to happen before then. There's absolutely no way that there's going to be any shuffling going on there. The longer this goes on, though, I mean, we've seen the footage, and that can be kind of dressed up uh, to suit a narrative. We've seen the footage after the game, and we've seen a lot of the kind of nasty side of it, but there's a lot of peaceful protesters who are just so frustrated, and that's their club, and they want to go up there. And as you said before, you know, when it's in this lockdown, you've not been able to go and do what you habitually do twice a week or, you know, I see people up there all the time, even when we're not playing. Um, then there's this frustration and they want the club to know that we, we want change. The barriers are up. The Green Brigade put up their banners and their scarves and they're taken down and put into bin liners. Uh, and again, it goes back to the disconnect. But, uh, you know, this is this is a club who are meant to be more than a corporate um, enterprise. They're meant to be a, a club like no other. Um, and again, we're going to be reminded of that next season on the top tier and a big banner if they're not careful. And that's the way that they're going. 
what's what's the kind of feeling being amongst your own associates, people that go to the games with yourself, travel home and away, uh, spend vast amounts of money on European trips, all that mm-hmm. all that investment, and it's a high high percentage of people's income. That's that's another thing. Mm-hmm. It's not as though we are millionaire businessmen or even billionaire businessmen and this is the plaything. This is, you know, a massive part of your life, a massive part of your income. What's the feeling that, that you've been getting from your friends that go to the game for next season? I mean, similarly to me, you know, we'll still be there. Um, it's not going to change that. We'll renew, we'll go home and away, we'll spend all the money on the European trips and this and that. We'll still do it because it's it's what we do, you know, it's what we enjoy doing. Um I'd say we're we're not used to this. Um, we won't be used to going into a season perhaps having not won the league. We won't be used to going into a season as a second favourite. But it, it's what we do. Um, we we don't go along for the wins. We go along to to support Celtic because it's it's what we enjoy. So certainly, you know, amongst my group, there's there's no suggestion of anyone not renewing. There's no suggestion that 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 would happen. But, you know, I, I see my Twitter feed, I, I see the discontent and I do see those sorts of comments start to come in. You know, it is a lot of money. You know, we're putting our money into this club, our time into this club, our effort into this club. And what are we getting back? We're, we're getting ignored. We're getting the photos of scarves being put into bin liners. We're getting the photos of the fences up. You know, that's no way to repay a fan base who put so much into the club. Um, and I can understand that fans are feeling disconnected and if they start to act on that by, you know, in terms of their wallets and their money, then you, you can't blame them, can you? This is a big thing. Uh, you know, I speak to people maybe of my generation and, and Lawrence and, you know, I, I remember going through the nine and thinking, there's far too much focus on what's happening with Rangers, far too much focus. Now, a lot of it's important. A lot of what went wrong was never dealt with properly. But there was far too much focus on what they were doing coming through the leagues. I couldn't care. They were irrelevant to me. I just wanted to enjoy the success that Celtic were having. But I was trying to explain to someone um, who's maybe a good 10, 15 years younger that you know what you would have expected previous to this period of domination was Celtic generally would win the, the league for a couple of seasons, maybe three. And then it would swing, the pendulum would swing in the other direction, and that's the way it was. But that was a Rangers club that had been established for over 100 years. Any other club in the world that, that was established eight years ago and have gone through the leagues and have caught Celtic, and not just caught them, but actually overtaken Celtic, I think the, the board have certainly been sleeping at the wheel. When they realised, and my tipping point was Patojo at half-time, when they realised that this was happening, Surely they could have resolved it, Lawrence. I'm going to come to you. And by resolve it, what I mean is you get a new management team in place and then come January, you look at what's required to try and turn it around on on the park. Now, I've got a comment coming in here and it's just one example. We didn't buy a winger during the transfer window, which I said at the time was an oversight. Um, totally agree with that. What do you expect to happen in January Regardless of whether who's who's in charge, what do you think will happen? Are we going to invest? Are we just going to put the white flag up and say it's, we're going to run as is and allow this league title just to run away from us? Surely it's going to be. Uh, there'll be some player trading. It's Tom Brown would have called it. You know, I'd expect some players to get in, some to come in. Lenny wanted wingers. Talk about wingers. Cameron Harper scored a couple yesterday down at Dumbarton in the derby, and Mikey Johnson got forty-five minutes. So. No, Cameron's been on the bench a couple of times. Maybe the, set, the players we're putting on the park aren't changing anything. We know we're short of width. Maybe it's time to, to get to give them a go. But you're, you're talking kind of any other team coming through the league. We've got to remember this is a the other club needs 23 million to survive. We owe the tax, man. And a lot of the time, football depends on how much money you spend, whether or not you win the league, how much you invest. We know they've invested beyond their means. Uh, we and I think we've invested probably well within our means, which is our mistake. But you know, to, to balance it, it's you know the way overspent, and they've got a, an agreement in place with the tax man. They're behind in their taxes again, which we know what that led to last time. So I think the big gamble is Champions League money, whether they get it or not. January, I think there's got to be some kind of investment. You know, if there's players that don't want to be there, they've got to go. Lenny's 
hopefully get some targets, whether it's the boy from Philadelphia, whether it's wingers again, hopefully you get whoever does the, the transfer dealings, whether it's Peter or Desmond appoints someone else to overtake it, or whether it's Nicky Hammond, who knows. We get our number one targets delivered. You know, Lenny's taken kind of a lot of blame. He didn't get to pick his number two or his number three. Doesn't get his number one t- transfer targets. And maybe Lenny was happy to let players go, but Peter thought he wasn't getting value from them. You know, look at uh, you know, Bayanta situation, we weren't going to get a decent replacement and we end up losing nine million on him. Mm-hmm. So whoever's handling the transfers at the club, they, they like to herald that, you know, it's brilliant when you get 25 million for, for Kieran, which I'm not too sure what we've done with the money. You know, we sell Musa for 20, which looking at him, it's ridiculously cheap. You know, the same with Big Virgil. You know, we definitely get ripped off there when we sold him. So, what is that? who's handling the transfers? Where's the money getting invested? Is it all in Shred? And uh, is it bio signings? Who's, you know, who, the managers definitely aren't signing at the time. So, somebody's spending millions of pounds on players that the management, manager doesn't want. It's a crazy situation. It's a situation, though, Lawrence, that's always been there. I mean, when you're winning, when you're winning leagues, and this is natural. We're not going to look at a £2 million player that doesn't make it because it's happened time and time again. You can go right back to Bangura. We're trying to buy players for a couple of million quid and then do a quick turn on them and make money. And that's fine. It was a good you know, transfer strategy that seemed to work for Celtic. It hasn't worked so far uh, this season uh, or, or last season because the players such as Klamala and Soro and Bayo, Sved, all these guys have it. It's not worked out. So I think a change in strategy uh, will be required. Now, Natasha, when you look at some of the, the players who are on the fringes, um, we're looking for maybe Johnson to come back in. He played yesterday against a young Rangers side. Uh, Forrest is probably going to be the end of January, maybe February before he's back. Where do you think we should strengthen? And do you expect us to strengthen or do you think it's a white flag and we're going to start planning for next season? I think we have to. Um, I think there has to be strengthening. Um my concern now is that, you know, even if you get Desmond coming bankroll it and we throw money at this and we get some big players in, my concern is that it's still too late. Um, it could be done. And the other concern that I have is that if you're an agent of a player worth two or three million pounds, Celtic are going to take a punt on. Are you advising them to go to Celtic right now? I mean, you look at players like Soro or Clamalla or Turnbull and a lot of these players who aren't getting their chance what agent is advising their player that a move to Celtic in January is a good move and I think that's going to be a big concern for us um, in terms of where we need to strengthen as ridiculous as it sounds considering we just spent £5 million on an internationalist we need to look at the goalkeeper position because we've tried the two we've got and neither of them are what we need Um so if you're going to have to write Barkas off as a £5 million waste of money, then that's what you're going to need to do. And you're going to need mm. to strengthen there and then let the defence build on having a solid goalkeeper behind them that we don't have right now. I think that's been a massive part of the, the player recruitment this season because we know what we're getting with El Yunusi. We knew that he's, he's inconsistent. He looks brilliant one week and pretty average the next. Uh, you're looking at Turnbull. I would have expected him to play far more games. I was happy with a Yeti. First five games were all raving about a Yeti. He was scoring goals. It looked as though he could develop a partnership um, with Edward. And then Luxalt looked absolutely tremendous in his first four or five games, although we weren't winning, unfortunately. He's gone off the boil, but I still think we've got a quality player. So that really leaves Duffy and Barkas. They've been massive disappointments. Huge uh, hit errors in the recruitment. And yeah, I think we're just going to have to bite the bullet. But then I'm looking at uh, Neil Lennon or Celtic, and I'm thinking, you know, they don't seem to have a great amount of ideas. Would we simply just go back for Fraser Forster and think that's the magic wand? Do you think that's that's the kind of approach, Natasha? Do you know, I don't know if it's the worst idea. I don't know if getting Forster on, on loan for the rest of the season is the worst idea. Um, you know, I read the comments that, you know, he rejected us, he turned us down to sit on a bench. Do we just have to suck that up and so yeah he did he made a mistake but we need our, our goalkeeping position fixed more than holding on to that um, would it be a magic wand I don't know I don't know but I think it would certainly help that 
chaos of the defending right now is to have a goalkeeper behind them who could take command, organise them. Um, and once, you know, you sort chaotic defence out, then, you know, that is happier battle at the moment. Absolutely. I've never seen a Celtic defence uh, so bad in, in 10 years. I mean, we've had our moments. People used to criticise guys like Caldwell and McManus as a centre-half partnership. You know, last season I was looking at Julian and Ayer thinking, I'm pretty happy with that. But then this season, you know, the Kilmarnock game was, was a kind of an eye-opener for me and I thought we need a centre-half. Then we bring in Duffy. It was almost like, yeah, he's the man. He's the man for the job. Yeah. Um, I, I hear stories around recruitment, who's responsible for this one and that. And it sometimes comes down to whenever it's a good player, oh, I'll have that. You know, I was responsible for Van Dyke. Well, there's no way Neil Lennon identified Van Dyke playing over in, in the Netherlands. Um, you can't you can't say I, I identified him, but I'm not having bio. You know, you can't have that kind of outlook as a Celtic manager. We know that it's a joint operation where players are identified by numerous scouts and there's a recruitment team. And of course, there's recruitment meetings because there was the famous leaked images of the recruitment meeting uh, minutes with Neil Lennon, Peter Lowell, they were all there. Um, I mean, Nick Hammond came in. And again, it, it looked like a positive move that he was going to come in and we were going to get uh, a higher calibre of player. Um, do you think we need to change the strategy of the involvement of the board when it comes to players? I remember that infamous interview when it, you know, and I don't mean they don't have a, a part to play. Obviously, they need to sanction any deals, but player recruitment. You know, what does Peter Lowell know about player recruitment? Uh, Brennan Rogers spoke about Sved as if he had never heard of him when he signed. I'm sure he'll be a good player for the club. And it turned out to be an absolute waste of money. I mean, he's played three substitute appearances for Mecklen. Um, I'm looking at January and I'm actually thinking if it is a white flag, we might be reluctant to, to actually invest, especially to a backdrop of a hardcore of fans who are saying I'm no longer investing in the club. I'm not going to renew my season ticket. And here's one example for you. So the other day, um, a company got in touch and they've got a corporate package at Celtic Park and they had £9,000 sitting at Celtic Park from last season. And they hadn't considered getting that money out I know if I had nine grand sitting about I would be back in at some point I didn't mean from Celtic but just you know if it was lying about I'd know about it but they basically came to us and said well we'll give that to your charity uh, fundraiser uh, the quadruple treble the proviso is that we get an interview with Peter Lowell that is looking very unlikely we have made the approach and had uh, no response from that but you know in discussions with them over the last 24 hours or so that money will be coming back out of the club one way or another so the, there might be many other corporate packages like that, worth a lot of money when you combine it, as well as punters like you and I who are buying season tickets and merchandise. So I'm actually looking at January and thinking, has the downsizing process began? Now, I don't want to focus on Rangers, Lawrence. I know you said about their finances being... Um, you know, a precarious predicament at the moment. They always seem to be, but, you know, it looks as though it's a gamble that's going to pay off if they win the league and then they've got access to Champions League riches. But again, that's for another podcast that isn't a Celtic state of mind. When I look at that, I actually think Celtic are going to dig their heels in and we will start witnessing the downsizing. A part of that will be due to the year that everybody's faced and the fact that football clubs have been hit particularly badly. And we'll come out of it in a firm financial footing in terms of we're not going to be facing down the barrel of a gun like a lot of other clubs are, undoubtedly. And I don't think we are going to be, you know, throwing millions about in January. I think, you know, one of the four players that have been mentioned, Ayer and Cham, Eddie or Christie, I think a couple of them might actually go. And then we'll start looking at a replacement for Neil Lennon at the end of the season. And that replacement, and this is not going to be popular among Celtic fans, will be someone like Jack Ross at Hibs. Why am I saying that? Well, we spoke about it yesterday with Kevin and he's saying that's what the club's going to start to look at. And I've had to think about it and I think he's probably right and I think a lot of Celtic fans will be disappointed. If we are looking at a new manager, realistically, I'm going to come to you first, Lawrence. Who will we go for if we're looking realistically for a new manager come January if it's been reviewed and we're still in free fall? Realistically, is it going to be a Law's choice or Desmond's choice? Because I think Desmond would... If Desmond steps in, he goes for top draw managers. If it's Peter Lowell, it's John Kennedy. Uh, if it's Dermot Desmond, you know, I think the sky's the limit with him, isn't it? You know, I think he proved that with Rogers and Anil. 
he'll, you know, do everything he can to get it the best manager in. It's just uh, will he be minded to, to step in and make that decision? Uh, which is a sad state of affairs, kind of. But we can all see that, <laughs> you know, it's needed, but we don't know if he's going to step in and do it. There's a good point coming in from C. Quinn on YouTube. Celtic FC is a big club in world football, at least on par with a mid-table EPL team. Surely a club the size of Celtic should be looking at a higher calibre of manager with some European experience. Well, again, it goes back to Lawrence's point. Do we know what the club are looking to achieve in the next five years, Natasha? And if it came down to it in January and we had to replace the gaffer, what kind of level are you expecting? I mean, I get the point that, you know, we are or we could be, you know, mid-level EPL, that's what we should be looking at with that sort of European ambition. But we're nowhere near the finances of those sorts of clubs. Um, So we can't be looking at the same sort of managers that those clubs can, unfortunately, unless, like Lauren says, Desmond comes in and and puts some money behind it. And he did that um, when he got Rodgers in. Um, The reaction was there. You know, the, the, the talk is that he wasn't happy with the way that the Rangers board reacted after that game. And, stepped in and, and did something. He brought in Rodgers and he bankrolled it or, or whatever and and made the change. Why he's not doing that now after seeing the way the fans are feeling, the protest outside the stadium, if that's not enough to make him step in and put his hands in his pocket and, and fix this, then I really don't know what will be. Um, so I think we are looking at a more downsized approach. I think we are looking at a more... No realistic target, and I don't think we will get a manager similar to to Rogers or, or you know, you hear the names of Benitez getting mentioned. I just I can't see that coming. I think we are along the more of the lines of a a Jack Ross, and any European football is a bonus, and we'll focus domestically. I just think that's the way it's going. Mm. I know, and it is all about being realistic, uh, Natasha, because I do have high expectations when it comes to Celtic and you hope that they build. And if you've dominated for 10 years, by the 10th year, you're making progress in Europe. I thought that was going to start when Brennan Rodgers came in. That was the biggest disappointment, that and some of the player recruitment. But again, we've already discussed, you know, it's not always the manager who has the last say in players. Uh, But there was a a lot of disappointing signings and there was a disappointing, uh, few disappointing seasons in Europe during Rodgers' time. Lennon comes in last season. He gives us a glimmer of hope with the the Lazio performances following a few disappointments. And then Copenhagen, you know, you look back now and you think, well, that was a missed opportunity, actually, um, against Copenhagen. This season's just been... You know, we've been the laughing stock of the Europa League. And I remember a time where the Europa League people are dropping into that and they're almost looking down their nose at the Europa League. We're not even at that level. So you do see a season on season decline in Celtic's European standing. We all love this, this notion that Celtic are a worldwide fan uh, club, sorry, but they've got a worldwide fan base. That's the global appeal, is we've got a worldwide fan base. But when it comes to investment, when it comes to players wanting to sign for the club, as you quite rightly said, Natasha, how attractive are Celtic now, Lawrence? You're looking at a time where we were able to bring in Brennan Rodgers. And by the way, I'm not going to for a moment say that you know he, he, he wasn't great for the club at the time, because he was, he absolutely was. 13,000 people turning up at Celtic Park to welcome him to the club. He said everything right. He said all the right words. I'm not sure how much it was true. And he did exactly, you know, what we wanted him to do. So many amazing performances and a couple of great seasons under Brennan Rodgers. But let's not forget, when we brought Brennan Rodgers into the club, um, he was unemployed, first and foremost. When you're looking at his win percentage, it wasn't off the scale. He had failed at a couple of clubs uh, prior to going to, to Swansea. Um, and you know there was a, a period at Watford there was a period at Reading he had only won one thing in management and that was the playoff final for Swansea and he, he, you know, he'll always be remembered as the guy who didn't win the league at Liverpool so there are managers of a level if they can bring in a philosophy to Celtic um, and an ambition to Celtic that are available uh, so you're looking at Jack Ross you think well I'm going to have to pay compensation to bring him in why not look at the wages that Neil Lennon's on and I'm only speculating what they would be. Look at the compensation package. Why not bring in a manager of the level, of the calibre of Rogers? There's plenty of them out of work, Lawrence. Do you think the boards, and I'm going to say the board because we don't know, we actually don't know who makes the decisions, right, when it comes to the manager. You could say, oh, well, 
Tony Mowbray was Peter Lovell's decision, but Brennan Rogers was Dermot Desmond's decision. I mean, I don't think it's as simple as that. Surely if Peter Lovell comes up with a um, an attractive proposition, the rest of the board will agree to that. Depends what's attractive. How much investment would a manager want to come? Well, you've got ex Milan and UV manager Allegri. He's not working. Could we go for him? I know Ireland managed to get Trapattoni just through a Brian and Desmond agreeing to pay the salary. It's. I think managers at that level have an expectation of the level of investment the club's going to make in the playing squad and the coaching staff. So it would be a huge investment, and it's whether Celtic's going to sanction it or not. You've got lots of managers that want to come to Celtic. Doesn't mean that they're the, of the level that they should be allowed to manage Celtic. I'd say no. It's you've got to try and make a happy marriage, haven't you? Who's out there? You know, I, I hope that you know we, we go for a big hit again. You know, Allegri would be brilliant. There's no compensation package there. Could we offer a, offer him a package? You know, laws on three and a half million a year. It's a lot of money for a CEO club the size of Celtic. You know, there's definitely money within the club that could be fund a manager like that. You know, I think, was it four or five titles first in Italy? Four or five in a row. So Celtic could definitely, there's people at the club that could come up with the finance to fund that kind of package. Mm. It's whether they will or not. Yeah, absolutely. But again, and I was getting on to some of the guys on the, the bulletin during the season about the European games actually meaning something because that is your short window to any potential signings. And Jungle Lang picks up on a point that was made earlier on to say that would players or ask, would players come to Celtic in January 16 to 18 points behind? And that's a big question. I think there's, an, there's enough players who are outside the... The, the 20-man squad down in England, but they come at a price. A lot of the time, we can't afford that. We bring them in on loan. It's worked successfully in the past, and there's been a few failures, and I think Duffy probably falls into the category just now. Um, I hate writing players off, but it's just not worked out for them. Um, what players would come in? Well, we were already buying players from the English League who weren't getting a game. You know, when you look at Ayeti, Duffy, El Yanusi, they weren't getting a game for their sides. They were nowhere near getting a game. And that's the kind of level of player who wants to get fit so they can go back to their parent club or perhaps get a move somewhere else down south or back to their native country. So there, there will be players that are going to use Celtic as a stepping stone. And I wish we weren't a stepping stone, but this season has made us even more so. In terms of the manager, I think it's the same. I mean, at the end of the day, Natasha Brennan Rogers used us to get back on uh, a platform that would improve his profile for a, a job down south and that's exactly what he's done there are other managers out there we've heard names like Eddie Howe for example being mentioned a lot of people don't like that idea but there's plenty of other managers out there do you think that Celtic would still be an attractive enough proposition should uh, the club show that ambition I mean, we're obviously all looking at it through green-tinted glasses, and to me, and it's an attractive proposition for any manager. But when you look at it on paper, if you're a manager and you come into Celtic now, you know, you're however many points behind, like being suggested, if we're 16, 18 points behind in January, you know, you're the manager who's going to come in, probably lose the 10-in-a-row season, um, have a more limited budget to work with, perhaps, who you're going to get in in the transfer windows. Is that an attractive proposition? I'm not sure it is. You know, it's a bit of a lose-lose. If you manage to turn anything around, if you manage to win one trophy, it's not good enough. And if you lose them all, then it's a disaster. So who is that an attractive proposition for at that stage in January? Mm. That's a good question. Now, we do know that some agents have been in touch with the club, but these people who are unemployed, again, might see Celtic as a stepping stone, and that opens up uh, other problems that we have seen since the departure of Brennan Rogers. Let's have a wee chat about Thursday night. We do have a European game against Lille. Um, 60 minutes against Lille were some of the best football that we played all season. We looked okay for about 20 minutes against AC Milan as well. Uh, Natasha, what do you expect to happen? Do you think there'll be big changes? I mean, we played... Um, Scott Brown against AC Milan uh, before the St. Johnson game surely Lenny rests a few players on Thursday night yeah I mean you think so but I I don't I don't think you will um, I think in his head that what we need right now is to get a bit of form back is to try and get something to click and it's not going to click if you keep changing the team up so the more games the better to try and 
force some form back into them, try and get the confidence up, try and get it to click again. And if that means playing a relatively strong team in a dead rubber game, then I, th- I think he'll do it for that reason. Um, obviously concerned about the game against Lille. Um, mm. You know, there's the, the stats going down that if we lose, what is it, three goals, then we could be the worst team in Europa League group stage history. Um, that's not an attractive record to have on the horizon. Um, but on the other hand, it could it could be what we need is a, a dead rubber game to, to let the players play a bit more freely, maybe get a bit of confidence back up, put a decent performance together and, and build on it because we have to hope that, really. We have to hope that's where it's headed. Yeah, absolutely. Ever the optimist. Um, and I'm, I'm the same as well. I'm looking at, um, you know, even the fact that we're praying for Julien to come back. But if you look at the, the goal, the, well, sorry, the penalty that was given away um, against Ross County, you just can't deal with the cross. And then you're looking at St. Johnson, the same thing happens. Stevie May plays a simple ball across the park across the goal and Julian can't deal with it I mean that's just bread and butter defending uh, but I, I would certainly still continue with Julian and Ayer in the centre of defence to try and get that understanding back that they had or seemingly had last season now Lawrence uh, looking ahead to Thursday what's your thoughts on what Neil Lennon might do on Thursday night? I don't think it'll change too much uh, I think the game will suit us a bit better just that Leo won't pack the defence so, and try and hit us on the break which we are absolutely suckers for you know, you see it every week in the SBL or when we play Rangers. Just hit Celtic in the break, they've got slow. You know, the centre-halves aren't particularly quick. They'll put a pass astray and we can hit in the break. I think that's probably why we got a couple of goals up against Milan. There was a bit more room for our forwards to play in, I think. You know, we will leave that. We really need a solid defensive performance, you know. If, if we don't lose goals, you know, it's a start if we can stop losing goals. But do we have the personnel to do it? Who are we going to play? We're going to stay with Parkas and goals and, and persevere with, with him. At, at left back, is Diego going to be fit to be slot Taylor in, who, you know, for me, hadn't put a foot wrong with some decent stats. So maybe it's Taylor, uh, Julian, Ayer, then at right back, it's, it's Hobson's choice, isn't it? It's, <laughs> who have we got to complain here? I'd, I'd probably go with Beaton. In fact, for me, I'd probably go with Ayer at right back and put Beaton and uh, Julian as a centre-house. Uh, I think I would give us more going forward from right back. Uh, hopefully, from Pong in front of him. But we'll wait and see what Lenny does, but I, I can't see him changing too much. Well, we will wait and see, that's for sure. What I would uh, remind everybody of is that underneath the video there is a, a link to our fundraiser. We're hoping to raise loads of funds on the quadruple treble weekend for the homeless, for mental health, food, food banks and for vulnerable kids and adults around about the Christmas time. So please, if you can, chuck a couple of quid in there. That would be brilliant. We are providing free content on a daily basis and it would be brilliant because every single penny is going to charity. The other thing is, believe it or not, we are up for a big award tonight at the Football Content Awards. It's the Champions League we're in. We're, we're up for the best international podcast and we're up against Open Goal, Simon Ferry et al. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you can tune in live to see if uh, Celtic State of Mind win that award. It would be brilliant if we did. It's just a shame that we can't go down to the award ceremony. Maybe this time next year we will be. Um, it's been a fantastic show once again from your usual face of a Tuesday, Lawrence Conley, but also Natasha Mikkel making your Celtic State of Mind debut, uh, which was brilliant. Thank you very much for all your contributions. And thanks for everybody who got involved on the comment section on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow at 12.30. Thanks everyone for joining us on a Celtic State of Mind. loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.